0: we could do a cold open yeah we could do a cold open hey, yeah so what are we going to talk about i mean that's like, the point of a cold like? open is that you jump right into the conversation yeah, kind of you're listening to advancing education the alberta student podcast where we talk about student issues news we conduct interviews we do all sorts of other kinds of things like that my name is emmanuel barker and i'll be your host stay tuned for the rest of the episode asac news john what's a budget why should we care
1: the budget is the government's way of planning out how they're going to spend all of your tax dollars that they've taken from you
0: nice how hard is it to make a budget would you say
1: Um, so the provincial budget, uh, it's typically an annual cycle that happens. It takes almost 12 months to make a budget. Um, my former role, uh, working with the Alberta party, my part of my job was doing a shadow budget for the entire government. So I had to, uh, somehow create a budget that would align with, but contrast against the government's budget. It's it's quite a lot of work. There's a lot of ministries. There's a lot of complexity. Um, there's a lot of decisions that go into it. So what does the
0: actual government have to do to develop the budget?
1: So um, the very beginning of the budget cycle happens at the uh, once the last budget was released. So um, on the 25th of February this year, we're going to see the provincial budget come out. Uh, once it comes out, there's about a week of uh, media scrums and a media cycle. Uh, and then after that, we basically start making the budget for next year. So it, it starts with consultation, consultation. Um, each ministry reaches out to its set of stakeholders that it uh, that it's identified and they try to talk about issues within the industry uh, challenges that those stakeholders are facing and any kind of requests or budget asks that those stakeholders would have Um, all of those asks kind of get compiled uh, into treasury board and then really the work of treasury board a lot of the time is just going through everything and seeing if they have money to pay for stuff yeah Um, and then giving kind of a b option scenarios to the minister we have money for option a we have money for option b what what do you want to do and then ideologically they always kind of pick what they want to do and and that's how we get a budget
0: nice i like it that was a good overview Mm -hmm. um i want to go a little bit more into depth here's what i want you to do Mm -hmm. i'm gonna ask you a question i Mm -hmm. want you to answer it and then right at the end of the question Mm -hmm. of of your answer Mm -hmm. i mean Mm -hmm. i want you to be like just jump straight into an introduction of who you are because technically this is the first right time you've actually been on the podcast right. so i'm gonna be like all right here's the question you mm-hmm. ready so tell me about the budget submission process tell me about the asec budget submission mm-hmm. and then just do your intro okay so the budget submission process uh
1: Pretty straightforward each ministry reaches out to its stakeholders and asks what they what they want what they need what they think uh, the industry should have and and they compile all those they try to through through the departments and they really try to understand them similarly with ASEC we we put in a budget submission so our budget submission uh, this year was actually attached to our advocacy document normally it's a separate thing um, but we have the Alberta 2030 review going so we kind of just made a, a rather big document this year so that we could just give it to absolutely everyone involved in this review but we ask for things like zero percent interest on student aid that would be a budget submission because there's money attached to that the government will receive less money in student aid financing so that would go to treasury board or another ask is the alberta graduate retention program where we would give a tax credit to uh, to students who have graduated in alberta and who stay in alberta working that's another kind of budget ask that we would ask for My name is Jonathan Bilodeau. I'm the executive director of the Alberta Students Executive Council. I've been working with ASEC for almost two years now uh, as a staff member, but I've been part of the organization for almost five as a student leader previously i've worked at the legislative legislative assembly's office for the government of alberta
0: and i've quite a bit of experience in the student movement do, 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 breaking news you nailed that good lord okay um yeah so actual breaking news alert what's your hot take on what the budget is going to contain its impact on post secondary
1: sure so i think the first uh first cat to be let out of the bag that's not a su- surprise to anyone is that uh the province of alberta doesn't have any money uh we're running a massive, multi-billion dollar deficit. Um, And it's important to know the difference between deficit and debt. Deficit is the difference between the money you take in each year and the money you spend. Um, So the government is actually spending a lot more money this year than they're taking in. The debt is an entirely different thing, and that's the accumulated deficits that build up. And our debt in Alberta is getting quite large, actually, and something that we have to take into consideration. So with that context in mind, it's important to know um, that every ministry is going to be struggling to find dollars for their stakeholders, uh, and advanced education is, is the same. So we're expecting to see a, um, probably a smaller, further cut in the Campus Alberta Grant. For those that don't know, the Campus Alberta Grant is the grant the government gives to each institution to run the institution. It roughly accounts for 70 to 80% of the funding of the organization. And it's, it's really what our institutions rely on is the Campus Alberta grant to deliver education. And so we're going to probably see up to about a 5% cut is my estimate off the top of my head. Um, Whoa. Yeah. Really? Yeah
0: oh man yeah you know i was i was wondering if you were going to mba explain the difference between deficit and debt to the podcast the same way that you do to me every freaking day we're talking about it also you're gonna i swear to god you're gonna give me a panic attack if you keep adjusting your microphone it keeps falling yeah well you know i don't know i don't know um yeah okay so so you're thinking five to ten percent
1: no, no one. One. I'm thinking three to five percent.
0: Three to five percent cut mm-hmm. to the Camp Alberta grant. Can you explain? You'll you'll be good at this. Can you explain the impact that inflation rates would have on that cut, or the impact the cut would have on institutions given the inflation? And then explain the difference between HEPI and CPI, so that everybody kind of understands where the money went because suddenly it's worth less than the year before
1: okay that's a big question you just asked with lots of acronyms lots of different things so you
0: can handle it okay um that's why we employ someone with two master's degrees (laughs) So you get you get one person with a douchebag humanities degree to ask the questions and then you get a guy with two masters to answer them okay so let's start with
1: the second half of your question first. So HEPI and CPI. So HEPI is the Higher Education Price Index and CPI is the Consumer Price Index. They're both indexes of
0: prices. Hey, everyone. This is your editor speaking to you from the future. There's going to be a little bit of an edit coming up with this definition. So just hold on to your pants for a second. What kind of junk is included in HEPI?
1: Glad you asked. So HEPI is CPI, Plus enrollment. Maybe you should start with CPI then, I guess. Sure. So CPI, this Consumer Price Index, is simply the measure of how quickly prices are changing in your society. What they do, what Stats Canada does, is they take a basket of goods, including gasoline, eggs, uh, you know, typical kind of things that you would buy, and they track the price of those things month to month. Um, and then they, they release a, a number or an index that they call the Consumer Price Index, um, and it's just a, a number. I think it's at like 142 or something right now. Um, and basically, you just judge the change in that number from month to month. And the, the percentage change that we get, we call that inflation. You may have heard of inflation.
0: And here we go.
1: Um, so HEPI is simply inflation, the inflation rate, plus the enrollment rate or the increase in enrollment, both combined together. And that is, that's how our institutions determine funding. Um, because they need to account not only for the increase in costs of society, but also for the increase in students that are going to be on campus. Mm -hmm. So we use HEPI as a price index to uh, formulate how much money should be going to an institution.
0: And here we go. So it turns out that HEPI is a basket of goods, but it's a basket of goods that's very specific to the institutions that we're talking about. So it's going to end up including things like um, increases in wages due to collective agreements and stuff like that. Yeah. So to get to like the sort of fundamental question that we were asking at the start, when you say you think there's going to be a three to five percent decrease in campus Alberta grant funding, what does that mean incorporating the inflation rates for students and for the more importantly, in this case, the institutions?
1: Sure. So so in Alberta right now, we have about a one and a half percent interest rate over the past 12 months or so. Uh, Pretty low uh, interest rate. Um, but what that means is that basically your buying power, my buying power, the stuff that we can buy has been reduced by one and a half percent this year. So our money is worth one and a half percent less than it was a year ago is the best way to think of it.
0: Yeah. You said interest rate. Do you mean inflation?
1: Inflation, interest rate. It's Is it, it synonymous? In finance, we use them pretty synonymously. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. It's the the inflation rate is also known as your market interest rate.
0: Well, there goes one of the things that I thought I understood (laughs) about the economy. No. So uh, I won't get into it. It's real finance technical stuff. No, goddammit, man. This is our podcast. We can talk about whatever we want. I guess. It's a a budget submission. Like the whole thing, this this whole thing is just a money thing. I guess, yeah.
1: So when you're pricing bonds, so when the government of Alberta has to issue debt, for instance, when they sell debt which we're doing quite quickly right now. Mm-hmm. When you're issuing a bond, you have what's called a coupon payment or a coupon rate. And that's a percentage of whatever the face value is. And that gets paid to you as, a, as an interest payment. But then we also have something called a yield to maturity, YTM for all of our finance folks out there. All six of them. And your, your yield to maturity is the market interest rate or the inflation
0: rate. Oh, okay.
1: Yeah. And that's how you price the bond is using that rate.
0: Yeah, so in layman's terms, like explain it to me like I'm five because they're getting cut three to five in your estimation. Yeah, so I'm I'm thinking that we're going to see a nominal, meaning there's going to be
1: three to 5% less money actually transferred to our institutions this year compared to last year. Yeah. So that's a three to 5% nominal cut. We then add the inflation rate on top of that. Mm-hmm. So that one and a half percent. So let's call it five plus the one and a half. In real terms, that's what we call it, real or purchasing power terms, it's a
0: 6.5% cut. Yeah, so they received the equivalent of 6.5% less money than they did before.
1: On average, but then you also have to account for uh, enrollment inflation, so they will get a bit more money that's for happy. that. Yeah. yeah, so it's it's a very complex formula
0: and calculation, but that's kind of the the components that go into it yeah do you want to hear a funny story about how i've been wrong about stuff sure yeah i thought that happy was like the consumer price index but instead of milk and eggs being the basket of goods that happy included shit like plutonium Mm. and like I don't know. It it may it may include a different basket of goods in it than CPI because universities don't buy a lot of eggs, but they might buy yeah. I don't know whatever like lab materials mm-hmm. and stuff. Mm-hmm. They might they probably do use a, a slightly different basket than CPI. No, yeah. I mean that would be the course of the kind of speculation I'd love to have in the podcast, but <laughs> I don't know if it's really all that valuable in terms of our thing. So. Our budget submission 2021 mm-hmm. economic recovery through education. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk a little bit about why that is important to you generally speaking?
1: Absolutely. So, I mean, for those who don't know me, I, I have a couple different master's degrees. I've been in industry and in, in business for quite some time. And, uh, really I chose to come back to ASEC because this is something that matters. Subtle flax. In my, uh, opinion, <laughs> um, and why does it matter? Because the people that go into advanced education, the people who are there, are the people who have consciously made an effort to improve themselves. And so I like to help people who are helping themselves. I like to help people who want to improve their lives, right? You, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. And it's the same with, with people. You can't help someone unless they want to help themselves first. And so as far as education goes, that's why this is so important. And that's why our budget submission was so important. Because really for Alberta to, to get back on its feet and to economically be performing again, we're going to have to rely on education. We have uh, a huge cohort of K-12 students coming up right now uh, that are going to be entering post-secondary in the next two to three years. Yeah,
0: Dr. Clark's frequently talking about that, mm-hmm. the DM. Yeah.
1: yeah. We also have a huge contingent of people who have lost their jobs and have to retrain and reskill to no get doubt. back into the economy. So we're going to have just enormous pressures on our post-secondary. And so because of that, we did um, a fairly thorough budget submission in ways that we could make the post-secondary system more sustainable and work better for for the students of the province. So the first piece that we asked for is work-integrated learning. Um, and so this is how we uh, actually tie in getting job experience and getting those uh, work-ready skills uh, for our students so that they can hit the ground running as soon as they're in industry. Um, it's something that's been picked up quite uh, quite strongly uh, by this government. Uh, and it's something that they're championing. Uh, so we're really excited. Uh, as well, there's also the addition of micro-credentials. And these are uh, bridging or upskilling programs to get people in and out of post-secondary rather quickly to get them back into the workforce. And again, given that uh, that we have such a huge cohort of people coming back from the economy into post-secondary to retrain, micro-credentialing is going to be so important
0: yeah and you know like work integrated learning is a cool idea that yeah i'm really happy the government's been vibing with too but the um the colleges came up with the learning integrated work thing Mm -hmm. which is just trying to create like maybe maybe tying in like micro credentials to the current labor force for underemployed or unemployed people currently employed or underemployed people Mm -hmm. so that they can access some kind of career advancement think of it as like You know, one of those, um, like a webinar that you might take that you'd put on your resume or something like that, but except it has a little bit more beef behind it because it's Mm. actually a credential that people would apply to it. Um, I think that's a really cool option. Um, Community service learning, also something that we've talked about, is good. And you know what? The reason I started talking about all this stuff is because when we were doing research on why um, it was important to have these new models Mm -hmm. integrated... It was because we looked into the closest analogous situation to what we're going through in Alberta right now with the economic issue, and that was in the United States post-financial crunch 2008. Yeah. yeah. And we were shown that, especially in colleges, like the ones that ASEC represents the most of, Mm -hmm. we were seeing like 20 to 25% increases to enrollment following like the year after the major crunch, like when people had started getting... Um, laid off and things were Mm -hmm. getting pretty bad and that's sort of an interesting thing partly because like that increased enrollment has so much to do with opportunity opportunity cost opportunity opportunity cost for people who are losing their jobs. so why don't you talk Mm -hmm. a little bit about why the oil crunch and the whole rona situation kind of pile up to make that even probably more the case for Alberta now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So the the concept of opportunity cost. I know we've talked about it a whole bunch here. No, no, this is like, this is economics
0: 101. Let's let's get them.
1: For those that don't know. So the opportunity cost is the cost that you incur um, by not pursuing an action because you're pursuing a different action. So uh, for instance, uh, you work at a job. Uh, Your opportunity cost is the wages you give up at a different job by working at your current job. So that's why you want to get paid, you know, the maximum that you're, that you can in the market, because there's actually a cost associated with leaving that money on the table. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so when we look at the economy and we look at post-secondary right now, the oil crash happened just a few years ago. We saw oil prices tank to be you know negative for for a week there, and they're hovering at around $20. I think they're back up around $40, $50 a barrel now, so that's a good recovery, but what happens when you see such a, a drastic dip in prices is all the companies shut off their exploration. They keep the the plants running that are producing the oil because those make money for them, but they just stop exploring. And geez, a large, a very large segment of the oil and gas sector in Alberta was just exploration, finding that next mm-hmm. well, finding the where the next kind of deposit is. So um, with the oil and gas companies shutting all of that off, I mean, the the figures that we see are over 100,000 people lost their job.
0: Yeah, 110, I think, was the number that was swung around pretty hard. Now, that, it, like, feeds... So, opportunity cost in a resource rent Mm -hmm. economy Mm -hmm. tends to be way higher for men than than it is for women. You want to talk about that a touch?
1: Yeah, so what we saw, and I mean, I I grew up here in Alberta in Edmonton, and and so I saw this firsthand. I I even got made fun of for going to post-secondary because... The, the overwhelming theory was just go to an oil rig or go yeah, jump on the
0: diamond drills. Yeah. That right? checks out. I yeah. got that a few you times. You got that too.
1: Right. So, you know, we were, we were, you know, potentially you could be making 50, 60, 70 bucks an hour up on the rigs. Oh yeah. 100%. Working hard. Right. And so the opportunity cost of going to school is that hundred grand, 150 grand a year. And so for a lot of people, it just was not worth it to go to school. It would actually cost them more to go to school than they could ever receive in value from that education. But things have changed. That is such a good
0: segue. That is such a good segue to that issue that we were talking about a minute ago, Mm -hmm. which is that in 2008, -hmm. 2009, 2010, you had far more men going to university than you did before, going to college Mm -hmm. than you did before. And it was because that that opportunity cost. Different industry, Mm -hmm. you know, but the financial industry, the banking industries, Mm -hmm. you know, people losing their jobs in... Blue collar jobs yep. as well. After that, they all sort of went and upskilled or mm-hmm. reskilled at, at colleges or universities during that during mm-hmm. that time. So we're thinking that that's what we're going to see probably here. Totally. Yeah, it kind of ties into the next point that we've got um, here talking about our budget submission. Yeah. And affordability is like the backbone. It's the issue about post secondary that everybody understands. Mm-hmm. They're like ah, tuition, you know. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. That's the variable. That is the big chunker issue. Right, so right. what are we saying about tuition? Okay. So
1: tuition. I want to be very, very clear because we've taken a little flack over our tuition policy, but I think it was unearned flack. So let me let me re explain it. The government, when they took power, changed the regulation to make it so that uh, this year, next year, and the following year, tuition will be increasing by seven percent each year. So that was already the law. When, when I took over at my position, when we first met Emmanuel. Um, So the environment that I came in said tuition freeze, 7%, 7%, 7%, then inflation moving forward. And so the policy that we've put forward is actually a reduction in proposed tuition increases. Um, what we've put forward is uh, instead of doing 777, 7, 7, we've said, you know, it would be ideal if we could just stick to our CPI increases, but... We understand that the government wants to rebalance or right size the amount of tuition students are paying. So instead of doing 777, we advocated to reduce that threshold to be a 765 model. And what that would do is actually bring us back in line with the long run inflation rate in the province uh, since 2014. Yeah. If we go back to 2014.
0: A couple, th- couple things I just want to tie mm-hmm. in here yeah. really super quick. The freeze before meant... With what the what the NDP administration did was freeze tuition levels at current levels.
1: At 2014 levels. 2014 right. mm-hmm. levels.
0: And that was for four years or five years? Five, five years. Five years. Mm-hmm. So now the UCP administration has made it so that the regulation will allow institutions to raise their tuition a maximum of 7%. Correct. For three years. And so what we're recommending is that the UCP administration change that mm-hmm. from 777 mm-hmm. to 765. Correct. And that would... Why don't, why don't you explain why the rolling average of CPI over 15 years mm-hmm. is so important to us yeah. and why that 765 is okay with ASEC student leaders mm-hmm. if it gets us back to that point.
1: Right. So uh, the, the kind of longstanding policy of ASEC around tuition is that we want to see tuition tied to uh, the long run rate of inflation. Uh, when we say the long-run rate of inflation, we typically are using the 15-year rolling average, which is a little above 2% right now. Um, other indicators in the economy, when we look at the Bank of Canada, their target growth rate or their target inflation rate for the economy is also 2%. Um, and so we, we tend to coalesce around this 2% number as being the long-run stable kind of growth number in Canada. And so um, when we go back to 2014 and we see that there was a freeze for five years and then there's uh, a planned 777 increase for the three years following that, um, if instead they did a 765 model, it brings it back in line to that 2% increase every year if we went back to 2014. So yes, it would get rid of the tuition freeze, um, basically, in effect, it would get rid of the tuition freeze, but it would also stop the overcorrection that the government's doing right now.
0: Which is very minor, but impactful, it's right? Worth,
1: it's worth millions and millions of dollars right. to students, yeah.
0: Yeah, but those those lost 3%, mm-hmm. that's millions and millions of dollars. Millions. Because when you're talking about those increases in tuition, inflation still applies to those, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. it becomes more and more expensive rather than the 7% cap, which is easy to understand. Which is mm-hmm. why people are always talking about how like the 777 means 21% or twenty three percent. Twenty three, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's actually it actually means more than that because of inflation. But that's it's yeah, that's kind of mm-hmm. hard to understand. You mm-hmm. know, maths. <laughs> um, man, I had another question lined up, but I lost it. Uh oh oh oh, oh um, what was I just doing? I just did knock out interest.
1: Talk. Yeah, you didn't. Yeah, so carrying on on the student financial piece. So the other kind of policy in our budget's mission was to reduce um provincial student aid interest to zero percent. Which would be uh, a correction or a, or a deviation of the policy that was put forward last year, where the government actually increased um, student loan interest by two percent. No, sorry, by one percent.
0: Was it? I think it was. it
1: was. It was prime plus one, and they went to prime plus two. Right. Yeah. yeah.
0: And and that that doesn't have an enormous impact on Alberta students because right about the same time that they did that, the federal government also reduced. They reduced the interest rate by a percent, two and prime. Alberta went mm-hmm. it up. That's or went up by one percent
1: it depends on what student you're talking about it so. also
0: depends on what prime is yeah. you know because like if prime's different then the whole price is different but a specific student from alberta might not have federal student loans i understand there's a lot of nuance mm-hmm. there but like
1: like me for instance i don't have canada student loans i only have alberta provincial loans right so my interest rate went up by two percent yeah which is brutal t- <laughs>
0: okay yeah you know what this really gets my goat why don't yeah. you tell us why oh man i almost want to take it just because it, it go for makes it makes me so mad get it um, okay. So I'll get you to define some terms and then I'll okay. go on a little bit of a tirade sure. about it. Okay. So why don't you tell me, why don't you, yeah, let's, hmm. where do I even want to start? God, this gets me so upset. What does defaulting on your loan mean? Or defaulting on your repayment mean?
1: Sure. So defaulting just means you can't make the the payments that you committed to making. That's all that defaulting means. Um, On a consumer loan or or retail debt, like a a car loan or your visa, for instance, if you default, there's massive penalties. You get charged interest. uh, There's normally administrative fees and penalties. um, And if you can't make that payment, it then gets sold to a collector who's going to charge you even more interest that compounds on top of that. And it just... It snowballs. It sucks. For provincial loans, you cannot default on your provincial loans. You can stop making payments because you can't afford to make the payments. And then the government will simply just start garnishing your wages and take that money from you.
0: Yeah, so they'll they'll take an amount of the money that you earn. Mm-hmm. Is there a maximum amount? Like they can only take up to like 15 or 10% or something?
1: There's, I'm sure there's some guideline or standard. They don't want to take all your money, but they'll take as much as they can
0: you don't know that nuanced tax math off the top of your head not off the top of my head
1: sorry but i'm sure in in service alberta i'm sure there's some this maximum
0: okay um (laughs) all right tell me what bankruptcy means
1: sure so bankruptcy is actually a form of creditor protection uh and a lot of people don't know this um but back in the day if you owed a bunch of people money they could just come to your house and take all your stuff and your kneecaps with and him. And whatever they wanted to do. And so the government, uh, multiple governments all around the world, passed um, bankruptcy protection. And so this is what you would file uh, if you can't afford to make those payments. If you're going to be defaulting on your loans, you would file for bankruptcy. What a judge does or a court would do is they go through and they, they, order the, they order your debtors in priority. So your mortgage, for instance, is first priority. Mm-hmm. And then... Your cell phone, last priority right. kind of. Even thing.
0: though you still have committed to that payment plan.
1: But there's only so much money to go around. And so they they will seize your some of your assets or they will garnish some of your wages, or you will have to sign some kind of agreement agreeing to pay the court moving forward. Right. Um, and then they take that money and they apply it to your debts
0: so, in, in priority. Side note, fun side note. What mm-hmm. does mortgage mean? Mortgage. A mortgage is a loan to buy a house. Yeah, but what's the word? Mortgage? Yeah. <laughs>
1: I uh I don't know the technical definition. Of yeah,
0: it. it's like it's like death, debt or something like that. Yeah, like life debt. Mort life mort debt. is yeah Latin yeah. for life. Yeah. Oh my god. Morte, yeah. I'm gonna have to go back in Morte. there and mess with it. But the idea that you would sign a, a debt unto your life. Okay, here's why it's fun. This is why this is important for <laughs> students. Damn. Okay, so say you are a uh, you know younger adult who mm-hmm. has graduated from university. Sure. And your name rhymes with Schmmanuel Sparker, (laughs) Uh and you have 30 odd G's still owing on your loan, Mm -hmm. but for some reason you don't really feel like paying it and you want to do bankruptcy. Mm -hmm. What are my options? So, bankruptcy or. what is? what are that person's options? Who's not me? For sure. For the sake of this. Schmmanuel
1: Sparker, uh, the options that that individual would have. Um, are actually quite limited when it comes to student loans because you can't go bankrupt and get rid of your student loan debt. Period. 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 So normally when you go through the bankruptcy process, the judge or the court will order your debtors in priority, but then they clear that debt off of your name. So there's a court action and they're going to deal with all that debt. And then on your credit file, it shows you've been bankrupt and that sits on your credit file for seven years. But then after that, everything's wiped clean. Mm -hmm. So you don't see any more of that after the seven years. Unless you go bankrupt again. If there's two bankruptcies on your file, you're done. You're never getting credit ever again from anyone. <laughs> <laughs> but the that's the, the thing with bankruptcy is that after seven years, after you've declared it, basically your credit history is reset to no credit. Mm-hmm. So it's not great. You want to have good credit, but it's better than having terrible credit on your file. Mm-hmm. The problem is student loan debt cannot be cleared off of your credit history. What it, the heck, man? Because it is a federal or it's a government debt that you owe yeah so there's it's not consumer debt so it can't be cleared and so you can't escape from that debt like i said they'll just garnish your wages they'll wait till you die and they'll take it out of your estate they don't care they will get their money from you one way or another
0: so why it just it's so incongruous to me that you cannot default Mm -hmm. or you could default but you can't bankrupt Mm -hmm. go declare bankruptcy on your student loan debt Mm -hmm. but they're still collecting interest as that consumer protection right so what's up with that?
1: So there's there's actually two things that are happening here with, with the interest rate, okay? So the first goes back to the very concept of opportunity cost. By giving you that money, they're, they don't have that money to provide to services and to other things. So there's a cost associated to that. So they have to charge you to recoup that cost. That's prime. That's the prime interest rate. That's to recoup the cost. The extra 2% that they added on is because they're broke and they want to make money. Mm-hmm. And they're just getting money from wherever they can.
0: Now, in the simplest possible terms mm-hmm. with the most, you know, idealistic kind of rose-colored glasses on, doesn't post-secondary contribute enough to society that we shouldn't need to collect that additional interest? But not every individual does, and that's the problem. So, what's our argument for getting rid of interest then? Our argument is
1: that the collective good outweighs the uh, moral hazard of the individual
0: right no that's hundred mm-hmm. percent that's hundred percent so like yes in some cases you you're gonna know, have bad actors you get bad actors mm-hmm. but big picture we need post-secondary the societal good is greater than the individual actors and it makes sense to not have interest and it goes beyond that. There's actually an economic theory that states that every dollar
1: that a government takes out of the economy actually has a negative multiplier effect and it slows economic growth. So by charging a higher interest rate, it actually takes capital out of the economy and slows the economic growth rate. If they lowered the interest rate, the government per se would have less money, but the economy would the have economy more. would have more and we go faster
0: we sounds like a, sounds like the kind of thing you'd want to do if you were going to try and fire up an economic recovery through post-secondary LMAO. weird yeah i love that <laughs> oh man that's good you know what i thought this was going to be like a 10 minute news thing but honestly this is we we're on page oh, two of our man, budget submission. this is one of the best podcasts <laughs> god this is good um yeah money questions money, um money. Money. Yeah, where do we want to go now? So, uh, what we're talking about is the graduate retention program. This is another economic recovery thing mm-hmm. because we're talking about not only capital flight but brain drain. Absolutely, this was uh, one of my favorite policies to actually develop. You're welcome. Uh, um,
1: so, for those who don't know, our holler at your boy, our host uh, Emmanuel Barker is from the lovely province of Saskatchewan. Saskaberia, our, our neighbor province. Saskabush. And uh, Saskatchewan actually has a policy that we basically ripped off and we are
0: passing off as our own. I have a policy about Saskatchewan, which is that it's easy to draw, but it's hard to spell.
1: Um. So the policy... That... Did, you, did you like that? <laughs> so the policy we're putting forward that's modeled off of Saskatchewan is called the Alberta Graduate Retention Program. Two years ago, in the 2020 budget, uh, the government of Alberta took away the provincial tuition and textbook credit, um, which was a fairly significant tax credit uh, for students who had graduated, who had entered the workforce, who were earning money. Like me, for instance. I'm not personally biased against this at all. Yeah, me either. Um, so, you know, that, that tax credit was worth, you know, about three dollars to $4,000 a year. Every year you were in school, so a four-year degree you're talking you know 12 to sixteen thousand dollars after you graduate that that you suddenly just don't have access to anymore um and that's again when we're talking about economic recovery money out of the economy it's so hard especially for people who are just graduating young folks um we look at the price levels of housing we look at the price levels of other kind of big ticket items and they have grown exponentially there's there's it's just not even fair to expect someone straight out of post-secondary to to buy a house compared to 50 years ago 60 years ago it's
0: just not when you could pay your tuition from your summer job at Dairy Queen
1: you know and, and that wasn't always the case I mean you know certainly people still took student loans people still had to work two three jobs but when we look at the percentage of income that goes towards debt and towards education now it's it's way greater than it was back.
0: Totally kooked out. So I have a fun story about this. Yeah, yeah. At, at the University of Saskatchewan, they have a huge agricultural department. It's just like, that's what they're about mm-hmm. or used to be at least. Yeah. And when my dad was going to school there in the 60s, they had a program where you could drive your grain truck up to the granary and you'd get all the grain you dumped into the granary weighed. And then at market cost, it could be applied to your tuition. Nice. Pain so, and grain. Pain and grain. <laughs> let's, let's get this bread. It, quote, University of Saskatchewan circa 1960. <laughs> let's obtain the grain. <laughs> so That's so funny.
1: Um, so the program we're putting forward is is basically a replacement for that tuition and textbook credit that was uh that was lost but it's it's a lot easier to administer a lot less bureaucratic oh god it's so easy so easy um it's a lot cheaper because you're only giving it to graduates you're not giving it to every student each year that they're in school only after they graduate and only to um graduates who remain in alberta contributing to the economy yeah so it's um it's a very conservative inspired tax credit that's designed for economic Um, economic recovery and we see it work wonders in saskatchewan yeah i was gonna
0: say we didn't just make this up either we straight like what does my dad say all the time he says bad poets imitate good poets steal Mm -hmm. like i straight up remember this policy being one of the reasons that i was you know, a little bit reticent to move to a different province because I lost out on it. I lost out on twenty thousand dollars of the uh, the Saskatchewan Graduate Retention Program in order to come and work in Alberta.
1: Yeah, but you came to Alberta, so your salary more than made up for that. Uh
0: yeah, I think so. I think so. No, it probably did. Yeah. Um, you know, entry level jobs are interesting and they're different in mm-hmm. Alberta than they are in Saskatchewan, especially when you took a hippie program like International Development Studies. And I'm comfortable with the choice that I made, but there are a number of people who wouldn't have had that alternative right, and right. the SaaS grad program, you know, does it. Right. it that, that covers the gap. It mm-hmm. fills that hole in society. So what we're asking for is pretty simple. It's like all, it, all that has to happen is that the institution needs to um, confirm that a graduate has in fact graduated from the particular type of diploma they're declaring. Mm-hmm. And then the CRA applies uh, rel- a comparatively small amount as opposed to the tuition and tax credit, which was like thousands of dollars a year. It's Mm -hmm. like for a major program, we're talking about undergrads, you know, receiving something like Mm $2,000 per year over the course of 10 years, which is exactly what happens in in Saskatchewan Mm -hmm. with great success. But we're applying it to different types of programs, like certificate programs or diplomas or applied degrees to the tune of like progressively less money because of the amount of tuition that you put into it and your contribution to society As like, you know, depending on what trades you're into. We also had a conversation with, um, it was minister Copping, wasn't it? Mm, Yeah. Yeah, Minister Copping about tailoring the program in a way that actually kept students in different regions. Mm -hmm. Um, because one of the big things that we found in the open Alberta data that kind of informed this is that 30% of graduates from Alberta schools bounce after their program is done. Mm-hmm. 15 of them leave the province entirely 15 percent of total graduates they like leave the regions of their origin
1: right so this program is great because you can tailor it um by economic diversification area so let's say you know you want a bunch of people to move to fort mcmurray you would make this only available if you live in certain area codes for yeah
0: instance. or you want to retain um iron workers yeah or you want to retain oil and doctors gas or doctors whoever
1: whomever. you you can do specific programs specific uh areas specific industries specific geographies it's very customizable very cheap very easy to administer yeah and we're hoping that you know in the last couple of years of the government's term here they open up the purse strings a little bit and bring yeah and that's back.
0: funny because like as a as a grad of development there's a there's a big discussion surrounding um the issue of development in particular regions mm-hmm. and it's it's a huge issue that like very rarely gets it gets acknowledged that you'd have some regions that don't have as much economic development mm-hmm. and that the government you know encourage development in those areas mm-hmm. so what we're trying to do is correct for those issues mm-hmm. and then encourage development in the other parts whether we're talking real money or not right like right. it's not like the government's pouring money into some regions and not others mm-hmm. that we're arguing against it's mm-hmm. just like this is a way to correct for where they can't necessarily spend right, their money. Right. Love it. Um, yeah, okay. Really proud of that program, actually. I love that. Yeah, that one's that one's one of my faves. Okay. And here's uh, you know, a couple of interesting ones. So first things first, money. Money. So money, 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 money. We talked about
1: the campus Alberta grant, uh, how we're expecting a a small cut, but even that small cut is gonna amount to millions and millions of dollars, makes it harder for institutions to do things and You know, at the end of the day, there's just no getting around it. Um, Every time there's a cut to the Campus Alberta grant, some way, somehow, some shape, those costs get passed on to students, either through new administrative fees, new MNIFs, increases in tuition. Uh, Maybe the parking gets doubled next year. Um, You know, these institutions, they do have a bottom line and they need to pay the bills and keep the doors open. So they have some incentive there. So what we're asking the government to do is instead... Because we have such a large cohort of students coming up, um, because there's already been two years of cuts, uh, we're asking to maintain or increase that campus Alberta grant at its current level. Um, basically, we we just want to stop the bleeding, stop the cuts, and let's either stay level
0: where we are now or or start increasing, maintain capacity. Yeah, like, maintain that's, capacity. That's what we're worried about, mm-hmm. you know, because Dr. Clark is always talking about that huge cohort of students, and if we you know, keep cutting the Campus Alberta grant, how are we going to be able to accommodate this? Yeah. And then, of course, our our
1: long-term ask is uh, around tuition, is to index tuition to uh, CPI, um, long-run CPI, but as well with the Campus Alberta grant, the average kind of Campus Alberta grant per student, right? So so Mm -hmm. not taking enrollment into account, but kind of that average Campus Alberta grant, that should also be increasing at the rate of inflation to make things predictable and stable in the system. It would be my dream as an Albertan to to have a parent who has a child in 2020 and they will know that in 2038 they will know exactly how much tuition that child is going to need for their for their education
0: yeah financial planning is a Mm -hmm. keystone of Mm -hmm. like of success something that i've never learned and then the next one that we're talking about is systemic governance so why don't you touch on oh i know why don't you touch on back-end services and then we'll talk about why we're suggesting this other governance layer okay i'm going to start i'm going to start even before oh, God. that, okay. Oh
1: God. So we're gonna get back to my days as a student leader with uh, the then Minister of Advanced Education Thomas Lukaszik, and before him, uh, Minister uh, Hancock.
0: Lukaszik's Twitter is live.
1: Oh yeah, he's he's fiery. But basically, there was a transition right around uh, Minister Hancock, Minister Lukaszek, uh where they transitioned to something called the six sector model. Um, and that's where they broke everything into kind of six sectors. So we have the Carus or the Comprehensive Academic Research Universities. A.K.A. Carries. back when they started. Yeah, they were called Carries back in the day because they're called the institutions. Uh, next is Undergraduate Universities. Um, then we have Polytechnics, Colleges, uh, Independent Academic Associations. And then uh, we have one sector uh, that's for the Banff Centre, basically. Specialized Arts and Culture Institutions yeah, or something like that. But there's only the Banff Centre in it. There's yeah. only like 20 students a year didn't wasn't (laughs)
0: au arts in that acad no it was a college it was college it was the
1: alberta college of art and design yeah so um so so that's the six sector model that we currently have right now um the problem with the six sector model is that it creates six very distinct silos so getting back to what you were saying emmanuel talking about back-end services we're talking about um the cashier's office so payment services any kind of uh, cash transaction point of sale stuff we're talking about HR management, or, you know, how, how do we log and store files? How do we do performance reviews? Um, we're talking about um, ERPs like SAP or PeopleSoft um, that actually manage the organization as a whole and link all the different departments together. Each of those systems is really expensive <laughs> to mm-hmm. implement. And each um, in our model is idiosyncratic to the sector, but even worse than that, it to the institution yeah. itself. The
0: six sector model turns it into Game of Thrones, man. Yeah, it does. It that's really the problem. Is <laughs> it's like King of the North, you know? And they're they're they all just have different ways of doing things, mm-hmm. and it's we're all we're all burdened institutions, you know. Yeah.
1: So what we're recommending is just streamline this six sector model. It doesn't make sense to have two or three categories of universities and two or three categories of colleges, and that's just. Make it like two or three sectors, universities, colleges, polytechnics, that kind of thing. And then do a lot of resource sharing both within that sector. So all the universities would share those backend services, all the polytechnics, all the colleges. Um, And then doing cross-sector type resource sharing. And that starts to lead
0: into issues around transfers, around um, open educational resources. Which is a conversation for another time. Another time. (laughs) AKA how much beef we've got about transfers (laughs) is a lot of beef. But... All that to say that our current model is overly complex
1: and it doesn't serve the province as it should. And so we need to just simplify and streamline things and share resources so that we can find those economies of scale. We can uh, quit wasting all these resources by having 26 versions of the exact same thing Um, and really just kind of work together collaboratively as opposed to Game of Thrones style because it's just not going to work for Alberta. moving Hey,
0: when you play the Game of Thrones, you either win or you die correct and that's not an acceptable outcome for me
1: no i'd like to keep keep on keep keep it on
0: keep on keeping on uh okay well that's a good spot let's tldr very quickly what we think is going to happen with the budget and then outline the fact that we're going to be well god i can just do it yeah so we're thinking three to five percent cuts in campus alberta Mm -hmm. which means approximately worst case scenario 6.5 real Mm -hmm. right somewhere in there right Do we expect any other weirdness to come through for students um, in the current budget? Look, we we are just
1: getting out of the Alberta 2030 review. Um, I've been part of the kind of uh, higher level of that review. And so I can't say too, too much. But there is a lot of uh, really good discussion around accessibility pieces uh, for students uh, a lot of great discussion around affordability and access. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm really encouraged by those. Um, of course, there's always, you know, more discussion around, uh, you know, deregulating or unregulating uh, certain aspects of our system. And so we, we did push back against that quite heavily. So it, it could be a mixed bag. Um, the 25th is going to be a really pivotal moment for the student movement in Alberta. It's going to be very, very informative for the government's plans moving forward. We're going to see whether they're gonna open up the purse strings and try to win next election or whether they're gonna say "Mm, we're probably gonna lose let's just go down in flames so Mm -hmm. the 25th is really the turning point the tsn turning point for uh for this government and we'll see (laughs) if they take it or or not um and it's gonna be very informative for the next couple years
0: okay what are your odds
1: (sighs) okay as you say this i did uh i did a briefing note on the last budget um so i'm just looking through it here so I think we're going to see more Skills for Jobs initiatives. They announced a number of those in the last budget, uh, mainly a foreign graduate entrepreneur program. Right, I
0: forgot about that. That was awesome. Yeah,
1: so I think we're going to see more of those kind of um, uh, the Alberta nominee program improvements. Mm-hmm. I, I hope that we see that. Um, I hope that we see more um, more investments in rural broadband and, and internet infrastructure. That would be amazing. I think that would be huge. I think we're going to see a lot of uh, improvements to the transfer system. Um, I think I think that's gonna come down. Uh, it might be a little bit of a longer term change than we're originally anticipating, but I think that I think that, the case has been made that the transfer system in Alberta is broken and it's costing everyone too much money. And everyone's on that.
0: So oh, man, stage. it's monstrous. It's, it's monstrous. monstrous. When people have to retake programming, it's not just the students paying the tuition that sucks, but it's like the government or the federal government contributing yeah. to that education by the public funding. Oh yeah. man, it drives me crazy. Uh,
1: I think we're going to see a, a commitment or a recommitment in the mental health grants. Um, I think that that program has become so vital for students
0: that, um, it's political suicide to to get rid of that so i think it's it also the right thing to do it's the right thing to do it's the too. right <laughs> thing to do and <laughs> minister lewin associate minister lewin of the um uh associate ministry of mental health and addictions is a great guy and has been totally open to consultation with students and has made it clear that it is a huge priority right. so is Demetrios. pardon me minister nicolaides <laughs> advanced <laughs> education meet with we meet with this guy so much and he's so cool with us that he's mm-hmm. it's just it's, it's great to have such an open communication line with with the minister that I almost forget yeah. the kind of difference there. It's a bad, it's a bad, it's a bad take on it for, for a <laughs> public affairs professional, but, uh, you know, there it is. That's a good sign. Um, as far as
1: student aid, I don't think we're going to see any movement on student aid. I don't think we're going to see any movement on tuition, even though we've been asking for two years. I just think that the government has no money. What I think we're going to see a lot of, uh, not just with this government, but every government moving forward, is we're going to see a lot less new infrastructure being funded
0: just because they're going to be too busy tearing down all the stuff they built in the 80s
1: or rebuilding it or whatever yeah i think there's gonna be a lot more focus on maintenance um i think there's going to be a lot more focus on the online and and digital infrastructure environment but actual physical space i I don't see the province investing a ton
0: no i don't either i don't see the individual institutions really committing to a whole bunch new capital capital infrastructure investments especially buildings they're going to be too busy you know dealing with their cool billy in Mm -hmm. deferred maintenance god
1: yeah it's uh man it's it's who knows
0: yeah i know i know (laughs) wise man says we'll see right um yeah okay so this is part one i know it's been a long episode five zero minutes so far man holy that was a good one we had a lot to get out that was not that flew by. That oh yeah, quick, went quick, yeah. Went quick. It always goes fine. Um fast, I mean. Um yeah, so you heard it here first, you know, probably a cut to the campus Alberta, probably a lot of movement on accessibility, definitely a lot of movement on mental health or at least maintenance of mental health. We're going to see a little bit less in capital infrastructure payments or construction projects. We're going to see probably you know um a shift towards investing in the online nature of education now that we're experiencing in that whether that's rural broadband infrastructure or whether that's some kind of other kind of thing that we don't know about yet the big Uh, changes
1: though that we're going to see are going
0: to be changes that don't that that students don't really notice
1: yeah Um, policy changes a lot of policy changes a lot of little changes it's going to allow the institutions to create new programs really fast or to drop programs really really oh that's such a big one yeah so that's that's going to be huge um,
0: that's going to be corrective to labor market.
1: Yeah, it is. It which is. is great. Yeah. And and we're going to see a lot of um, governance changes, I'm sure. So, I mean, there's a lot of talk around um, the institutions. Whether that's in the
0: budget or, or after. Yeah.
1: So the institutions are, are all asking to access the reserve funding because of of these cuts that have been happening over the past two years and the economic hardship. Um, but unfortunately, the way that things are structured, the institutions actually can't access the reserve funds because the reserve funds are owned basically by the government. So there's kind of this interesting pull that's happening right now. And, and so we're kind of trying to wait to see what's going to shake out on that side. Um, but yeah, a lot of the changes are going to happen. Most students aren't actually going to know or, or care about a lot of Frankly, the changes, yeah. um, but they're actually gonna have huge impacts on the system moving forward. And so it's important that they're done. Right.
0: I can absolutely say that. Okay. Well, thank you, John, um, for coming in giving me the money talk you know, I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a very funny dynamic between the two of us and I, I love you for it. Um, this has been part one of Asex predictions on what the budget is going to look like. Mm-hmm. And sometime after February 25th, a Thursday, like always, is there some weird, um, ceremony about it being a Thursday? No, they just don't have business on Friday, so
1: no one can yell at them about the budget. Oh, it so they release cool it and then they bounce. Yeah, it lets them cool off for three days. No,
0: that makes sense. <laughs> you know, it gives the, gives the 24-hour news cycle a chance to yeah. go over a couple of times before they come back into office. That's yeah. a little, that's that's a, that's a clever move. Mm-hmm. Clever. There's nothing, there's no law or rule that says they have to release it on Thursday, but it happens every time. Yeah. Every time. Yeah. When we, when we like heard inklings that it was probably going to be Friday or probably going to be February that the budget was going to come out, we like looked at the legislative schedule and there was only one day in February that they were in. And it was a Thursday at the end of the month. And I was like, Oh, I wonder what day it's going to (laughs) be. Okay. Well, uh, thank you for listening. If you've made it through all of our happy CPI, all of our jargon, um, if you've made it this far, Um, fellow nerds, we will see you sometime after the 25th with our Kowalski analysis. Thanks so much, Emmanuel. Yeah. Thanks for being a part of it. So thank you for listening to the show. And as always, here's your reminder. This podcast is for you. So if you're a student in Alberta and you have something you want to say, shoot me an email at advocacy at albertastudents.ca. And we'll try and incorporate your concerns into the next show that we do. You know, I was I was wondering if you were going to mba explain the difference between deficit and debt to the podcast the same way that you do to me every freaking day we're talking about it. Also, you're going to... I swear to god, you're gonna give me a panic attack if you keep adjusting your microphone. It like keeps that. falling. Yeah, well, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Oh god. Not to do that. Yeah, it drives me crazy too. You know it'd be good. Um Whoa. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh man. Yeah.